Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. Sponsored by Hit Marketing Design, the design agency as passionate about craft beer as we are. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Bayonet Brewing Co, Dolphin Brewery, The Paper Mill Micropub, Berkshire Beer Box, The Smallback Brewing Company, Belgium and Blues Southampton, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, Michael Billingham, James Moss, The Brew Bros, Paul Whelan and Bettina Cassidy. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening, Simon from Lauter Bottle Shop and Brew Space, based in Falmouth. Simon has run BrewCon, the UK's largest beer and brewing conference, since 2017, and he launched Lauter in 2021 following a successful crowdfunder. Simon, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching both BrewCon and Lauter. Uh, hi, Rob. Thank you for that. So, yeah, my name's Simon. I've, I've been a publican for most of my life. I've been managing pubs right. for about... 15, 20 years, mainly in London, mm-hmm. moved down to Falmouth in Cornwall about four years ago and was managing pubs here before the, before the pandemic kicked in. And right. like a lot of publicans, basically didn't have a job and was very insecure about where my future employment might come from. So I can't say I blame you. Well, I think I, d- I took the jump, but quite a few people did and I uh, decided to open up my own business. Yep. And having been in and around beer for well, for a long time and mainly like focused on craft beer in the, in the later years of the venues I was managing, a bottle shop or a bar seemed seemed like a good idea. And bottle shops got slightly more sociable hours. Makes uh, sense. And But you were running BrewCon prior to, to Lauter. So should we start there? Yeah, sure. So BrewCon is a home brewing uh, conference and convention. Mm-hmm. I set up in Hackney, yeah, God, six years ago. Right. Yeah. Fast. So crowdfunded for that as well. Um, right. I've, been, I've been homebrewing for about 10 years. And for me, the aspect of homebrewing that I love the most is the community. There are right. some lovely people out there. Everyone wants to share their beer, share, you know, share their knowledge. And everyone wants everyone else to get better. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great hobby. And there hadn't been... Uh, a proper gathering for a while so i decided to um organize something at oval space in east london so we had about 400 people through the door in the first two years which was right. to be honest a phenomenal number of people but it was a one-day event to begin with we did do one year where we did two days but we've gone back to one day now just to keep it focused but right. a really really wholesome day tickets are cheap it's like 15 quid a session um, we've got some really amazing speakers for the brew talks. We get exhibitors from kind of all aspects of brewing. So it's an event that isn't just for home brewers. It is for commercial brewers as well. Right. You know, we get the, we get the ingredient wholesalers, the, the retail, we have online retailers. And it's just a great opportunity for home brewers to come and hang out with other home brewers in an environment where they can learn, share, you know, and it is just a bit of a fun day out. It's a lot what- of work, but it's rewarding. Uh, and what what time of year does that run, Simon? So this year, BrewCon is Saturday the 7th of October. Okay, so it's coming up, yep. Yeah, it's coming up. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, we've left it a little bit late this year, but we're, we're changing it up a little bit this year. So this is the 
sixth year we're doing it and yep. we're adding in a festival element so it was always on the cards but we've been kind of fine-tuning with the venues and this year we're going to have so at Brucon there will be a series I think we're looking at maybe like a dozen one-off beers being poured at the festival side of the of Brucon which will be one keg collaborations between breweries and homebrew clubs love it and that's something I've been trying to kind of get off the ground for a few years now right but I'm really excited that we can I mean this is the first time I literally got confirmed today so this is the first time I've actually really? spoken I love an exclusive <laughs> there, we go. there we go breweries love homebrewers yes you know homebrewers get a kind of negative image people still associate homebrewers with the uncle with the the, the bucket you know the big white 20 liter bucket the back yeah of yeah the <laughs> you know making uh, something a bit stinking which didn't taste yeah. great Nowadays, you still get those, and that's fine, but the vast majority of homebrewers are phenomenal at what they do. They take the craft to the next level. Absolutely. I mean, I've had homebrew that knocks commercial beer out of the water. Yep. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a really good opportunity to get the breweries to connect with their local homebrew groups. Yep. Um, we're looking to – we're going to keep – because it is the first year, we're going to keep it quite small, and it probably will be invitational – only for on the on the brewery side of it yeah for, for the yeah, for the, on the, yeah. On the, well, we're, we're yeah. looking to pair up the breweries and the homebrew clubs brilliant but that's going to add a whole other side to brewcon where yeah. i mean it will be a competition as well so on the day each of the club brewery collaborations will be competing against one another for Fantastic. for a prize so it's just you know it's just adding another aspect to it and we hope to we hope to draw in more novice people you know more novice brewers people who haven't tried it yet who might yep. but they love beer but they still in their mind associate homebrew you know it's got negative connotations those are the people we kind of want to get down and we're doing it we're doing it at hackney brewery and wildcard brewery on black horse road so you've got yes. two breweries hosting us brilliant yeah great location. Um, yeah so it's it's going to be a very different brew con with with you know a bit more diverse beer on offer yep. but a lot more involvement from the clubs the homebrew clubs and the homebrewers around the uk right in the beer that's pouring on the day are tickets on sale already simon tickets on sale tuesday the 4th of july okay, independence so day. yeah so this this, so by the time this, this goes out there'll be almost like this this will be out on monday the uh the third actually so yeah the, the following day pretty much so anyway, listen, after, yeah. tickets will go out so it's almost awesome. like we planned it yeah, who, who'd have believed it? Yeah, so well, that's very exciting. And and you're expecting what sort of crowd there this year? Same, you know, same, same sort of numbers as you mentioned earlier. You know, a few hundred or yeah. Well, yeah. capacity capacity is five hundred. Nice. Yeah, we haven't we haven't ever hit capacity, but we've got close. Right. So, but I'm hoping with this festival aspects, I think we will sell out the tickets. Well, the, the the beauty of the venue you've got there is is obviously you know you you'll have your your competition or you know your your collab beers pouring at the event, but you know literally you're surrounded by lots of other beer choices as well aren't you so people can you know really make a good day of it obviously you know aside from from attending your event there's there's a, you know a number of other great locations up and down black horse road there to uh to, to go and have a few beers either side of it so yeah it's perfect location yeah i mean 100 percent. we one of the reasons we do it in two sessions is so you've got your four hour session you can do the whole expo you know you can see a few talks you can try a few of the beers but then you can spend the you know if you only want to do the one session you've got i mean you've got pretty decent signature brew yeah well, exile uh, loads down there yeah brilliant 
Good. Well, that's exciting. So, yeah, I can't can't wait to see how that goes this year. But certainly, uh, certainly, don't doubt it's going to be a huge success. I love the format that you just yeah. described. Um, so let's get into Lauter then. So, so Lauter is is your, as you say, your your day job effectively, your Falmouth based business. So, so what does that consist of? Well, just just quickly. So, technically, my day job is uh, I work in the warehouse at Verdon. Okay. So right. Right. Yeah. Three three jobs at the moment. Brucon is the one. I do 20 hours a week at Verdon. So if, if you ever buy a can of Verdon from a bottle shop, yep. I have packed that. That's gone through my hands. I've shipped that beer to that bottle shop. Fantastic. Um, yes, you know, you're, you're providing a, a great service to the UK there. So let me I thank you so. on behalf I of the UK so. craft beer community. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Verdon are they're one of the best. Yeah. Um, and... It's, it's providing me with a bit of balance. The bottle shop I do, what are we doing? We're doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from four to eight, Friday, yep. Saturday, from 12 to eight. So it's we've changed up the hours a little bit just to make it survivable, to be honest. And it is yep. just me. It is just me here at Lauta. Yeah. But um, it's constantly in evolution. I mean, bottle shops, it's a really tricky business, to be honest. Right. Um, it's not an easy one at the moment. Bottle shops are closing almost as quickly as breweries. Yeah. You know, and we can get into that in a bit. Yeah. Um, Lauta, it started off mainly, it is still mainly a shop. The whole front of it is, you know, I've got, I've got my free fridges, everything's refrigerated except for like the mixed firm. Right. And I built uh, an eight tap bar this at the beginning of the year. So I've got an eight out bar. Nice. You know, we've got, we've got mainly, it's got three or four local and three or four uk beers yep and that's kind of changed our dynamic a little bit so we've we've pushed we've tipped a little bit more towards bar right it's just a very niche bar because my license is till 8 p.m so we get busy around six and then people know that you know we're closing at eight so people can kind of they come before after work before dinner hop in and i think our vibe really is come in have a couple of beers on draft get some cans to go right Nice combination, really. That you know that that suits me down to the ground. That that you know what you just described there is quite a lot. The drinking that I do, you know, away from home is I'm not out till midnight. That was my drinking in my twenties or whatever. But you know, these days I'm I'm all about what you just described there, which is drinking some high quality beers at a venue and then maybe grabbing a you know something else to, to take away. So that's that's you know you're, you're absolutely your model suits me down to the ground. Generally, I would say bottle shops have to look at offering something that. You can't get elsewhere. And right. almost as a whole, every bottle shop is run by somebody like myself who's passionate and, yep. you know, dare I say, knowledgeable about the industry. Definitely. And that has to be, you have to have that face-to-face because the truth is the beer uh, is getting so cheap online. Yeah. We are witnessing a slight race to the bottom with beer pricing. And whilst that is potentially a good thing for the customer – Ultimately, it, it will lead to the closure of small independent businesses, you know, Definitely. and you've just got to make a choice at some point. Like, do you want your beer to be a little bit cheaper or do you want to have the option of going out somewhere and enjoying it in a nice, knowledgeable environment? And yeah. you can do both. Even the breweries, the breweries are entirely entitled to sell their beer at whatever price they want online. Yeah. But some breweries sell their beer really, really, you know, they sell it cheap. But then they sell it to the bottle shops a little bit dearer. Yeah, it's it's a tricky model. It is a tricky that is yeah. balancing act. But everyone's unique, and you know you have to diversify. You have to offer something that people aren't getting at the pub. Yeah, that they aren't getting at Tesco's. 
that they can't get online. And I think that's what we do here at Louta in our own little way. Yep. And that, so how do you go about that from a, you know, so, so I understand the, you know, the draft offering and I, you know, I applaud that. That's my, you know, my, I would much sooner drink draft beer than, than packaged beer if I can find it well, you know, well presented and well curated, which I'm sure, you know, yours is both of those things. But if you're going to drink packaged beer, how do you go about differentiating yourself there? What's the secret to having that sort of specialist offering in, in a bottle shop environment now? I mean, the obvious one is stock local. Yeah. So I was always very fussy about what we had in the fridges. Right. And that goes for Cornish beer. That mm-hmm. goes for UK beer. I don't really stock much outside of the UK, mainly because I want to champion the local scene. You Good. know, yeah. by local, I mean, in, in beer, I do mean the UK. I find some of the American stuff just too expensive and it's it's good beer but is it worth twice a burden i don't think so no it isn't it, it may have been seven eight years ago but it certainly isn't today yeah. i don't think anyway for me it's 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 about yeah making that kind of enjoyable bar environment but like what i'm doing well literally like last week and this week is we're partnering up with some local businesses so i've got um one of my regulars has just launched a pizza place so we're now oh. doing thursday friday saturday a pizza pop-up at the shop. Lovely. So he's two minutes away. He literally runs it to the door. Brilliant. I partnered up with a, there's a, there's a, a lady who has a local wine merchant and she does all the events and festivals, but she hasn't got a bricks and mortar shop. So that's called the Bimbling Barrel. So I partnered up with her and she is renting shelf space in the shop, which <laughs> enables me to have, because I love wine, but my knowledge isn't, isn't there. Right. So we, you know, we have that. And, like even um, next door to me, there's a plant shop that's closing down because she can't afford the, you know, to to have a physical shop. Yeah, so half of her stock is going to come into Lauta. Oh wow! And <laughs> we're going to be selling the plants for her. Love it. <laughs> I get, I get like a, some beautiful plants. Yeah, she sells. But for me, it's just. But this is literally just the last month of of trying different things. Yeah, trying to make it work. Using my homebrew background, I was, we trialed, I used to do homebrew courses in London. Right. Uh, I did them for like three years. I did about 200 courses. I did it every week. Yep. And we trialed it here, but, you know, the shop isn't quite big enough. You need draining. Uh, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Everything didn't quite work, but we gave it a try, you know. And yep. one of the things I'm looking at now is launching our own Lauter branded homebrew kits. So homebrew right. kit. So it's something we're looking to launch at BrewCon. Right. Now, I mean, now it's going to have a nice big stand. Trust me. Yeah, I should think um, so. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, there are there are some really good retailers of of homebrew stuff in the UK, but yep. we want to do something a little bit more bespoke, a little bit more niche, and also lean into our friendship with some of the best breweries in the UK, mm. and actually, you know, be able to say, right, look. For example, let's say here's a here's a track kit. Here's a half dome track kit nice. that we've got out. And it's a yeah. limited release. There's only 24. Once they're gone, they're gone. Mm. We might bring it back. We might not. Yep. We might do the same with Verdon. Verdon have been, you know, they've been quite generous with their recipes. They've given away the recipe to sharks and light bulb, but nice. you know, yeah. we might do another beer. And I don't know. I think I think that again, all of those things summed up is trying to make something different trying to offer something unique yes and 
I mean, ultimately, yeah, we're competing against the other bottle shops and we're competing against the other online retailers. But I want to take people away from Tesco's. Yes, of course. You yeah. know, I want to take people away from Weatherspoons. Yep. You know, I go to both those places, but they don't need the customers. No. So, yeah, that's louder in a nutshell. Yeah, no, that uh, I, I love the, the creativity and the you know constantly sort of striving for for what's the next differentiator. That's you know you've actually you've taken away one of the questions I was going to ask you later, which what what makes you different? Because I think you've uh, you've already very very ably covered that. So, but that's you know as I say, I applaud that that amount of effort which you're putting into it, and just can only hope it's successful. Are you, are you in you're in uh, Falmouth Town Centre? Are you in a in a shop front? Yeah, we're just off we're just off the main strip. It's a good location for, it has pros and cons. Falmouth is a very tricky area because it is very seasonal. It's yeah. quite touristy. Oh, yeah. And if you're on the high street, I mean, the rents are high. I don't doubt so it. I think for us, it was important to maybe establish ourselves, give it a little test run, and then see if maybe we could move into a more prominent position. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the cost of living crisis i mean no one could foresee coronavirus no but no one could foresee you know the war and the cost of living crisis and all these things no and unfortunately the truth is we are we are a premium product we're selling a premium product yes yeah, good point yep. privileged to be able to drink good craft beer yep and i do think it is one of the products that when people feel the pinch is one of the things that drops off it might be from a six pack a couple of cans yeah no. Um, and that's one of the reasons we're moving into homebrew a little bit more, because I think there might be more room to manoeuvre in that. But sure. I'd love a big shop down in Falmouth High Street with a sea view and an outdoor terrace, <laughs> 20 caps. It'd be great. But That'd be nice, yeah. One step at a time. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a very sensible approach. And yeah, you're right. It, you know, this, unfortunately, you know, craft beer is a luxury product, isn't it? It's, it's discretionary. Uh, you know, much as we might <laughs> believe it to be essential, it really isn't, and so it's inevitably going to get squeezed, unfortunately, in in the current current climate. But hopefully, you know, these days aren't with us for forever, are they? And you know, the no. the good times will return. It's just a question of hunkering down and making sure that you do what it takes to to still be around to experience those those good days when they come along. I guess. But, I mean, uh, one thing I would say, and again, this is why I've pushed the draft so hard and gone from two to eight taps is. Yep. Most bottle shops will offer you really high-end beer. And I get amazed when I go into pubs, especially when I'm, when I'm up in London now. And it's it's got to like 657 quid. Oh, yeah. Now, I, don't mind, I don't mind paying that for a good beer. No. A good, well-made beer. But, you know, you're looking at, at, at 657 quid for a macro version of payout. Yeah. Or, you know, some kind of fake craft. Yeah punk IPA yeah. kind of vibe. And that's where bottle shops can really shine because you can offer good value. And I think, yeah, I think people are getting a little bit more discernible about how much, it's less about price and more about value in my mind. Yes. And what we offer is actually really good value yeah. for what you're getting. No, absolutely. And you're right. It needs, it requires a degree of understanding of the cost of ingredients and the, you know, the, the, the relative you know, cost of, of manufacturing a, a macro lager compared to a, you know, a, a double IPA. It's, you know, these are, these are not the same product at all, are they? And they, you know, they, they, there's a very great deal of difference in what they're worth, whether in a can or, or draft, but 
unfortunately, you know, the, the, your, man, your average man in the street doesn't really appreciate that. But yeah, no, I'd agree. Yeah, but we're getting there, I think. that you know, I'm, so, I'm sure that compared to 10 years ago, there's a much greater understanding of that in the UK. And so uh, hopefully that will um, that will serve you well. Uh, it strikes me we haven't spoken about what we're drinking. I've, I, I'm sure you probably nearly finished your first beer. Let's just do a quick um, a quick comparison of what we've got in the glass here because I'm, um, I'm drinking Dark Revolution based in Salisbury, um, which is a brewery that I haven't had much beer from, but um, I have got them queued up uh, in a few weeks' time to be on the podcast. So I'm just, just becoming familiar with um, with their beers and I've been very impressed with everything I had so far. This is a New England pale called Downtime that I'm drinking, 4.6%. Dry hop with Citra Nelson and Motueka. And it's it's lovely, smooth, juicy mouthfeel. Um, just just a really nice beer, beautiful colour to it. Sunshine in a glass on a warm summer's evening. So so this is going down the treat. Um, perfect first beer of the day for me. Um, what have you got? Uh, yeah, this is definitely my first beer as well. So <laughs> I've started off with a Moonrise, which is a collaboration between Snow Moon Brewery and Elusive. So I stock oh, great. A, I stock a lot of Elusive down at the shop. Yeah. Um, Andy is one of the better brewers in the UK. He gets a lot of love and deservedly so. Yeah, close, close neighbour of mine as well. He's only probably, as the crow flies, about five miles away from where I'm sitting. It's a it's a torturous five miles, mind you. It takes nearly half an hour to get there because it's a ridiculous, twisty, turny sort of back lanes kind of route from here to there. I've never been, but I'm dying to go. Mm. Um, I think Elusive, they, they're one of the ones that stand out for me because uh, they have range. By all means, obviously, I love Verdant. They they are one of the best at what they do. Yep. Um, I do wish they would, you know, have a bit more. Well, they can do what they want. They're my boss. Yep. They're my employees. Love them. But you look at Elusive and they're knocking out brown ales, red ales, yep. lagers, hot lagers, Italian lagers, uh, imperial stouts. And it's just, you see the range. And I think that's, it's not necessary. I like to see it in a brewer. Yeah, it's a very good point, actually. I, I I can appreciate both sides of that argument. I think it's great, as you say. You know, I guess another brewery that I would cite as as having great range is Cloudwater. They, you know, I think they brew almost every star really well. But I absolutely respect how brilliantly Verdant know what they do and do it superbly. You know, so so I think you know I can I can respect a brewery that that really knows what their audience wants and you know and and really leads into that at the same time so it's kind of you know i love that we've got both extremes sort of in in the uk scene yeah i agree i mean i love utopian i think utopian are up there with with some of the germans with the quality of the lagers they make and i'm not berating them for just making lagers so you know it's it's it is fair but I have a soft spot for Elusive, so I tried this. So Moon, uh, Snow Moon are a brand new brewery that they actually, Elusive held a home brewing competition and uh, the guys at Snow Moon came first. So they actually won £500 and alongside that, they got to go and brew at Elusive. Fantastic. And they brewed a cold IPA, which is, Mm -hmm. I know it's, it's kind of, there's been a few of them released recently. It's it's a tricky one, but they've really nailed it. So a lot of people who go for an IPA don't want a light IPA. Right. You know, the style is, I mean, to, to put it simply, it's halfway between a lager and an IPA. Yeah, a, exactly. Yeah, it's a lager. Yeah. But this is absolutely stunning. And it's just got these light kind of citrusy grapefruit nose. It's got quite a firm bitterness, but super clean, super crisp. And we had a keg of it on and it just flew out. It absolutely Brilliant. Out. so from what i've gathered these guys are they don't have a physical brewery right where are they based though um east london 
Okay, cool. Yeah. East London. Yeah. Um, but they're going to be cuckoo brewing in East London. And um, yeah, I'm definitely going to look out for what Snow Moon bring out next. Fantastic. But yeah, it tastes great. It's it's super clean. It's super crisp. And it's really refreshing. And I don't know about the rest of the UK, but it's been absolutely oh, it's down way here. too hot for me at the moment. Yeah. I'm not doing not, this weather at all well. Not. <laughs> I was going to ask you, actually, how much of your focus at, at Lauter is trying to bring in brand new, you know, more or less unknown names, you know, whether that's on keg or, or in can? Uh, it's a good question because I would love to. Yeah. But again, it's all about balance. And a lot of my customers rely on me to help them, even the regulars. And it's hard. You can't say, you can't push any one brewery because I would like to say I don't have bad breweries in the fridges. Yeah. And, you know, when I get new breweries in that I might have heard of, they're a bit high. Even if I've tried them, they do tend to struggle. And I think yeah. we are really real. If people don't know where I found my fears, have a look on no. the map. We are all the way down. Oh, all man, that's right. You know, we're like 20 minutes away from Land's End. Yeah. And <laughs> also, a lot of new breweries like to focus on haze. Yeah. And unfortunately, no one in this town is is buying other people's haze. How is that right? Yeah. So it's a struggle because, yeah, I get... That surprises me, actually. That really does. I mean, you know, not that I'm... You know, if I lived there, I'm sure I'd be drinking plenty of Verdant myself. But I would still, I couldn't imagine, you know, not being always looking out for the next great, you know, brewer of, of hazy IPAs. This is, you know, that's what I live for, basically, is 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 finding the next really exciting, you know, UK hazy IPA merchant that, that I haven't had before. That, you know, that nothing makes my day better than that. I mean, I have like, I'll, I'll always try and get some stuff in, you know, and we have our stalwarts. I'll always have Daya. I'll always oh, have yeah. track. Sure. I'll always have left-handed giant and yeah. I'll always have peak. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I could quite confidently say those four for me are still the four. Yeah, uh, those are fantastic. I mean, I could I could throw a few other names in the mix, but those, you know, you can't argue with any of those names, absolutely. We have had some new ones recently. So, I mean, they're not super new anymore, but Flock. Oh, that was going to really be my next well. one. I literally took that off the tip of my tongue. I think Flock are amazing. Uh, so no, was, yeah. I mean, I was I was with those guys. I was actually at these hills festival. Um, okay, what was it last weekend? Yeah, last weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. ages ago. Uh, I was there on my on my stag, but it was a very civilized stag. Oh, <laughs> congratulations! Like, anyway, in, in, more like a gathering of friends. But um, Flock's beers are phenomenal. Yes, and, yep. um, those guys just kind of came out of nowhere. Beautiful yep. artwork on the cans. It's yep. so important. It really is so important. But I cannot stress that enough how important it is to have good artwork. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it needs to needs to jump off the shelf, then it's got to really differentiate you. Yeah. yeah. The liquid was great. And they, they were contract brewing for a, a few months. They went yeah. from went from in-house small yep. contract to now again, they've got a really beautiful side. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've had him on the pod a couple of times actually. I I, I first had Ross on the podcast when he 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 was still brewing in house, so really really small. I know he struggled with the contract um, quality, didn't he, for a while? You know, he, he basically didn't work out as he really expected. But now he's uh, he's absolutely smashing it from his own uh, premises, and it's yeah. a brilliant. And they've got a festival coming up as well, haven't they? Uh, yeah, all, all uh, they've got a huge um, huge outdoor space. So, you know, the the brewery itself is is massive, but they've got a massive courtyard out the front, so it's perfect location for. Yeah. Um, for a, for a festival that's going to be brilliant and i think if you can get the premises trust in yourself and go yeah. big 
and sell the beer direct. That's what's going to help breweries. You have to be able to sell the beer. A good tap room is so vital. Yeah, you know, if you're a brewery in this current climate, you totally see that, you know, the tap room is an essential piece of the jigsaw, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I think I think it should be at the at almost, you know, at the forefront of every brewer's business plan is yeah. how can we cut out the middleman? But that's fine, because like I said, that doesn't conflict with bottle shops in my mind. We need no. to offer something different. Right. It's the pubs that need to worry about the tap rooms. And Definitely, yeah. I, as a publican of of twenty years, I think I can. I feel like I can say this, and it it annoys some people when I do. But what? it's not necessarily all pubs that are closing. It's generally bad pubs that are Absolutely. closing. Absolutely, yeah. I would say, you know, pubs, pubs are fine. Yeah, you know, if a pub's doing the job well, obviously sometimes you know you get you get scuppered by a, 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 the lease runs out or unscrupulous yeah so something something goes wrong with the license because you know, the, the local authorities playing games or whatever yeah so so there could be reason but but i i think your point is an absolutely good one that you know in the vast majority of cases good pubs thrive and bad pubs close and that's the end of it isn't it really and yeah. uh you know sorry that's a, that's you know it's tough love and, and i guess the point is you couldn't you know 20 30 years ago i'm sure you could run a pretty mediocre pub and still make a living from it that, that is not the case these days is it and you know you need to if you're not at the top of your game and everything about your offering is brilliant then sorry you're not going to survive in this in this market yeah i mean and i, I like i said I've, I've run pubs for a long time and i've seen pubs change and what we had to offer and when the licensing on the hours changed we went straight in with a 1am license yeah and we were we were basically a club. We were you know we were a pub by all means a normal pub until yep. a certain time, and then we ramped it up with DJs and had a real party vibe. Yeah, we were staying because it was free to yep. get to you know, and and that's what you did. And every pub has to same as bottle shops. Everyone has to constantly change. Think about how you how you're reinventing yourself in in you know to to thrive in the modern market. Yeah. With that, I think that was probably a good place to leave the first half, uh, Simon. So I'm going to go and grab another beer. Let's take a short break. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Hit Marketing Design, a design agency based in Essex, offering professional marketing services across the UK. They specialise in graphic design, brand creation and web design, and can create anything from a fresh logo, new product branding, eye-catching adverts to a fully populated website. No fluff or filler. Real design for a competitive world. To find out more, visit hitmarketingdesign.co.uk. So I'm back with Simon from Louter for the second half of the show. Simon, you've already told me what makes you different, so I'm not going to get into that. So let's let's move the conversation on then, because one thing I wanted to talk to you about, particularly a subject I think you'll have a, a, an interesting focus on, is beer styles and particularly the trends in beer styles. Because I, my perspective is that we've stagnated a bit and there isn't really much in the way of new beer styles coming through, not like there was three or four or two or three years ago, even in UK craft beer. So what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, it's an interesting, it is an interesting one because I think with the difficulties facing breweries at the moment, people do tend to pull back a little bit with their experimentation, kind yeah. of focus on their Fair. focus on their core, focused on their, you know, the stuff they know is going to sell their, uh, easy drinking pails, you know, yeah. house and I do understand that. And I've never presumed to tell any brewery how to, to run their businesses. No, um, I think it is important to make sure before you venture down the line with 
weird IPAs or, or or some you know crazy style that you you do have a core range of beer. Yeah, uh, you know it is important to be able to do those. But coming back to what I said about elusive, you should also be able to show range. And I think every brewery within that kind of you know between showing range and having a core should be able to find their own identity. Yeah, and there's there's well there's two breweries that spring to mind that for me have done an amazing job at putting out beers that everyone can enjoy, accessible beers that anyone can enjoy, but also some really high-end concept beers that demonstrate knowledge and skill and are really exciting for, you know, let's call ourselves the ultra craft beer nerds, which we are. are. Definitely, yeah. The first of those is Smod. Right, And that's the same Mm -hmm. as of the desert. Yeah, yeah. they can do no no wrong for me. Right. I can't believe actually we've got this far in the podcast and I haven't mentioned them. No. <laughs> um, I absolutely adore everything they do. Yep. Um, the Belgian stuff that they do at Christmas, the single, double, triple, quad, clamp, uh, you know, the yep. cool ship IPAs. Yes. Do you know how many times I've had to explain cool ship IPA to people? Who I can imagine. <laughs> really into that beer. But their lagers, the the Herbs Lager, the Smodfest. Um, I was trying to save a can of Damalect because I'm doing a lager-focused podcast in a short while. Right. I physically could not not drink the can. Damalect is their back lager, <laughs> and it is perfection. Love it. The thing they're doing, they do really good pails. Yeah. Good lagers, just like your standard lager. Like a fest beer is nothing new. No. But then they're having fun with with and Dan is just he's he's a very he's not just experienced, but he has his his technique is you know is up there with some of the best in the UK. Right. They're having fun with beer. Yeah. They're doing what they want well, and they're having fun with it. And the artwork's great. Yep. The vibe is great. Yeah. And I mean, literally, if you ever see a can of smog out there, buy just it. Buy it. Yeah. Insta buy, insta buy. I've just ordered today. Um, I think it's called the old Grimbolian. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been out for a little while, but it's um I, I believe it's like an old ale. Okay, yeah. And I'm not buying an old ale from anyone. No. Anyone at all, except for smog. Oh. Because you know it's going to be the best example of that beer available. Right. Yep. So for me, it's it's if you're gonna try and do something a little bit different, be good at it, know it, yeah. and own it. That's hard, it? though, isn't it? You know, I think that's it's, and that's also perhaps slightly restrictive. I mean, I, I agree with every word you've said about uh, St. Mars. I think they're amazing, and I think they're very, very highly respected as well, aren't they? I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would disagree with what you just said there, at least very few. But I don't necessarily want to constrain brewers from only brewing things that they're good at, because if that's the rule, then, you know, you, you're just limiting the, the range and the the repertoire and the experimentation. And I actually want to drink interesting, different beers. And I actually don't mind if some of them are crap, to be honest with you. <laughs> that might sound like a strange thing to say, but I'm I'm happy to have drink the odd beer that didn't work just in the in the search for something amazing and different and interesting. Does that is that a ridiculous thing to say or not? No, I know where you're coming from, but this is this is why. And I think most breweries have this. You have a pilot kit, yeah. You have a tap room and yep. you test run. 
Yeah. You know, and you keep and you fine tune. Again, this is the homebrew in me in me talking. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, that when people say, you know, when people start homebrewing and they ask, they ask for advice. And one of my top tips is, and I actually read this in Nicola's homebrew book. You pick one beer, simple, not too complex, and brew it again oh. ten times. Oh. Ten times before you do any other beer, brew it ten times. Wow. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, you eliminate the simple mistakes: mm-hmm. fermenting too high, pitching the yeast too low, dry. You know, um, too many bittering hops, too few aroma hops, mashing yep. too high. All of these things you can eliminate. Then you can you can branch out, and I think a lot of breweries because we live in an untapped world. We do. We are we literally scorn camera for their notebook beer ticket. I was that person laughing at the camera guys, you know, writing down their beer scores at the Great British Beer Festival 10, 15 years ago, and now that's me sitting in the tap room, surrounded by my mates with my nose in the untapped tap, trying to score the beers when I can't even read the text on the screen anymore because my eyesight's so poor. But uh, anyway, (laughs) this is it, you know, and. by all means, have new recipes all the time so that you've got something for people to score and whatnot. But yeah. have a theme with what you're doing. So with Smod, they have this, this slightly Belgian influence across all their beers. And the other brewery I, w- I was going to say, it's a brand new brewery. You might not have had it. It's Ideal Day. No, no. I, you mentioned Ideal them in, in an email, didn't you, last week? And I no, I, I haven't had any from Where were they based? So they're based Saltash. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's Ideal Day Family Brewery. It's it's a couple, James yeah. and Nia. Mm-hmm. And James has a very strong pedigree. He was head brewer at Harbour. Right. Or, yeah, he was in charge of Harbour Hinterland Sour Beer Program. Okay. Um, before that, he was in charge of the mixed fermentation program at uh, Red Church. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was at Beavertown. And before that, he was a colonel. Right. Okay. And this is like back yeah. in the day. So yeah, James has been in beer for a long, long time, yeah. and has finally branched out on his own. Brilliant. And he's got a small. I think it's. I think it's between three and five hundred liter kit. Right. Knocking out twelve to fifteen kegs a run. He's doing a couple of beers a week. Fabulous. And they are all phenomenal. Yeah. And they use raw wheat grown on the farm. It's on Crocodon Farm, which is a. Uh, I believe it's. Oh, a Mission Star chef has got like a restaurant and a cafe. Oh, and a bakery. They've got a brewery. They've got like coffee roasters. And it wow, is very... one of these sort of artisanal kind of places. Yeah, it is. It? yeah. It's, it's a hipster's paradise. Mm. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know, it is what it is. Um, but you can't. You know, you can't take away his his skill. But he's good. always from his days at Colonel. Mm. He's always had a passion for saisons for the lesser, the lesser championed ingredients. Right. So every single one of his beers, I think, has the raw wheat grown on the farm, <laughs> and it just gives him, and it just gives him like a lovely body. And he's all about pushing the yeast. Right. So they're quite low on the hops. Yeah. Compared to the average craft sure. in the UK, but the juiciness and the fruitiness that he's mm. getting from the yeast. He's got a beer. Um, the style is field beer, and the name changes with every iteration. Right, he's created his own. He's created his own style of beer because love it. That is how James rolls. But it's it's a co-pitch of Kvike and saison yeast. Right, 
and the kvike obviously ferments at higher temperature. Yeah, that brings brings the fruity flavors as well. I'm sure. It's yeah. a season along yeah. for the ride, and mm. you just think up with this explosion. It's juicy, Ooh. fruity, peppery. Oh, yeah. That sounds and incredible. And it's yeah. it's phenomenal. I mean, we've had a handful of kegs now. Yeah, uh, it's not packaging at the moment. It is just kegs, so no, you won't be able to get it yet. But no. hopefully soon. But they're just phenomenal beers, and he's put his own stamp on his beers. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. That's for me is it is important. It is something yeah. I want to do. And it's not just chasing the I want to say zeit, zeitgeist. I don't know if that's the right word. But yeah, it kind of is, I think. Yeah, I, I know what you mean anyway. Yeah. And I think he's gonna do really, really well. Great. Because he's focusing on local first and foremost, mm-hmm. and he's got his own character. Yeah. You know, and I think that's for me, there isn't any new trend. There isn't a new IPA out. I mean, cold no. IPAs have had a bit of a thing this summer. I've seen yeah. a handful of cold IPAs. Mm. And to be honest, it's been a hot summer, so that's that's great. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen that much else. And what I like seeing is breweries just being like, okay, this is who we are. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah. That's Beak, you know, and you can tell I love Beak. Yeah, quite right, yeah. too. They, they, they deserve your love. But they're doing hazies. It's the same with, you know, Verdant. I mean, I got on all, I, I'll get a case of pretty much everything they do. Yeah. And a few months back, I got, I got six, I got eight dozen uh, beers from them. Yeah. And six of them were six and a half percent IPAs. Yeah. Yeah. And there was one lager and one dark beer and six, six and a half percent IPAs. And I was like, do you know what? Anyone else, that would be a, a little bit like, oh, okay. Yeah. But with B, they will fly out. I know. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing. Oh, but, but they know, yeah, they, they understand what they do brilliantly. And, you know, they stay in their lane, don't they? And that, you know, and uh, I massively respect that. It's, uh, I just think they are, you know, they, they are masters at their craft. Beat. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually doing a mini festival with them in August here at Lauta. Oh, nice. So we're basically taking a, a meet the brewer tap takeover to the next level. Yeah. And we're going to do like a two session on a Saturday and have like a, a 12 till four, four till eight, you get like your ticket gets you a half of every beer and we'll right. have 10 drafts and, a, and a, a fridge full of cans. Brilliant. And Robin, the head brewer. I was going to say, Robin's coming down, is he, to do like yeah. a, you know, a tutor tasting or whatever, meet the brewer kind of thing. Robin has been very, um, very generous in the past. He he was, he spoke at BrewCon last year. Oh, nice. And he's been down. He's been down to a shop before when mm-hmm. the um, oh, when was it? All oh, the Verdant Festival or the, or the beer trail they do. So yeah, um, the uh, the uh, last what they call it, Little Summer Beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we we actually, and that's I mean, people down here are quite excited about it. A date for that, Simon? That's uh, Saturday, the twelfth of August. Nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, the shop's small, so I can only fit about thirty people in per session. Yeah. But it's just, I like doing something a little bit extra every now and again. Selling tickets for that already? No, I'm not that prepared. Okay, all right. Maybe uh, by the time <laughs> by the time this podcast is out, the tickets will be live. There we go. Get it's a, it's something to to focus your attention. Get get that live by next week, and I'm sure they're not going to last yeah. very long anyway. That sounds like an amazing day. What else, festival wise, we you want to talk about? We should going back to Brucon. Um, I know. There were there were some more details you wanted to share on that, um, so let's not forget that. Uh, yeah. So, well, one of the things, I mean, it comes, it came from a throwaway comment someone 
Um, you, you always focus on the negative and someone gave me some feedback last year. It was on a forum somewhere. I shouldn't read them. And someone was like, <laughs> well, it was, it was fine. It was fine. But I reckon I could have done better. Yeah. And I, t- you know, you take it to heart and you shouldn't, but you do. And I, I was like, well, do you know what? Actually, that's actually a really good point. I'm sure there's lots of people out there who could do a better event. And it re- I really, I'm kind of, it really stuck with me in my down period. And so what we're doing this year is we're going to have a thousand pounds from the homebrew competition, a thousand pounds of the entry fees is going to be ring fenced to go towards four separate 250 pound prizes right. for homebrew clubs to win at BrewCon. So nice. might be through the homebrew competition where we've got a couple of other competitions that we are we are going to a couple of other little aspects that we're going to be launching next week and the 250 pounds will be allocated to the club to put on their own homebrew event in their city in their nice. town um to champion homebrew to to kind of get people involved and i just think it's a really nice way of giving back to the people who come Fantastic. to people giving back yeah. to the community of kept going and saying okay go and spread the, the, the good word of homebrew. And yeah. there's already loads of great events out there. Uh, Manchester Homebrew Expo happened just recently. Right. And that's a collaboration, collaborative event between all the homebrew clubs in Manchester. Right. The guys in, in Norfolk and Suffolk do a great job. They've got festivals. I mean, there's some amazing brewers there because it is yeah. kind of home of mold. But, you know, I want to see, there's about four homebrew clubs in Bristol. I'm going to see one of them come away with one of the prizes <laughs> and organise an event, you know. Yeah. The Scottish guys, there's so many good homebrewers in Scotland. Brilliant. I'd love for one of those clubs to get the prize and organise an event. So yeah. I, I think that's great one idea. of the changes. Yeah, it's one of the biggest changes this year is we're going to give back to, to the community. and Try and, like, try and okay. seed, yeah, seed the next uh, generation of, of, of homebrew events and ho- ultimately the next generation of homebrewers. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And if we can, you know, if, if we can keep going and every year we can enable four new homebrew events, which then yeah. get legs and, and the next year run themselves. Yeah. I mean, that would be worth running BrewCon for alone. Of course it will, you know, and, and 10 years from now, that'll be the next flock or the next chain house or, you know, whatever. Pick pick your favourite uh, future state in Reading. You know, these amazing brewers that, that you know, started off as, as, you know, brewing in their garage and, and in the case of future state still are, you know, knocking out beers for the gods you know that this is this is fantastic that you know the, the home homebrew is the future of of uk craft beer in my opinion and you know the, the oh, 100%, 100%. evidence is there to support it isn't it and i'm so, sure i'm sure ross won't mind me uh, mentioning this but ross was a fringe member of my homebrew club was he really <laughs> or, or at least he was homebrewing in the vicinity of the homebrew club so Brilliant. Beer Bores, Beer Bores is the homebrew club. Uh, we we set up in East London. Yeah, of course. I know that was Ross. Uh, Ross came out of East London, didn't he? Yeah. He was uh, honing his skills at Brew Club in Clapton, which yes. is where we formed the club. Yeah. And he was he attended a few of the events and he was there for a fair few of the meets. So he's Fantastic. definitely got the t-shirt. So <laughs> he is actually uh, an unintentional beer bore. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, Evan at Colonel. Was a home brewer. Yeah. 
Adam and James Verdant, homebrewers. Brian yeah, no, and and Elusive literally wrote the book, didn't he? So you know, there's. Uh... I've got I have got both of his books. You know, <laughs> um, not everyone, not everyone was a homebrewer, but the vast majority at some point, definitely. It's have, worth, yeah. And it is one of the greatest joys in my life when a brewer comes up. You know, I meet a brewer and and they talk and they say, "I've been to a, I've been to a brewcon." Now, obviously, they didn't become a brewer because of brewcon. Yeah. But you helped them on the path, yeah. It was on the, it was there. It was one of the stepping stones on the path. Yeah, brilliant. You know? And like so, this year, I'm really excited because we've got Jamil Zynashev as our oh. team. How and... could we have? How could we got a, an hour and twenty minutes into this conversation? You haven't mentioned that you got Jamil over for for this I year. I didn't want to get too nerdy. I didn't want to get too nerdy. <laughs> awesome. No. We scratched the surface of how nerdy I can get, but Jamil is so. So, so just for people that don't know that name, give uh, give, give us a, a quick pricey of of Jamil's uh, CV. He literally wrote the book on yeast. Yep, there are four books out there published by the Brewers Association. Obviously, malt, yeast, water, and hops. Mm. Jamil Zainashev wrote the book on yeast. He started up Heretic Brewing in San Diego. Yep. Um, which he's recently, uh, I think he sold it now, and he's he's kind of just going around doing consulting. Yeah. Jamil has been, I don't know, 10, 15 years on the Brewing Network. Which well, I was going to say that. He's arguably the godfather of, uh, of beer podcasts as well. So yeah. that's... <laughs> the guy's legend. The yeah. guy's legend. But we've been, out, we've been out on the piss a few times. He insists on going to the heart. And right. drinking, yeah, um, Fair. well, they're like Americans do, so you have to, you know, you have to. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, he will only drink Harvey's best bitter, and he will say, This is the pinnacle of the style. I cannot get this style in America anyway. No one can do it. And we'll ask if he wants to move on to a tap room, and he'll be nope. And he wants to stay at the harp and he wants to drink Harvey's. Well, I'm not I'm not coming out drinking with him then, I'm afraid. You just you, you, yeah. you, you just you you've just you you popped his bubble for me, I'm afraid there. But oh, <laughs> yeah, the man is the knowledge. I know. Knowledge. So he is my keynote, and I've been trying to get him to come for years now, but wow. he's, he's finally uh he's finally coming. So he will Well these be tickets are gonna fly now next week, Simon. I can't I believe think, you didn't mention it so. earlier. <laughs> I think so. And I do think like one thing we haven't ever cracked really is commercial brewers coming to Brewcon. Right. So if any are listening, yeah, it's it isn't just a home brewer event. I'm gonna come it's and pick Jamil's brains for, for a couple of hours. Brewing yeah. yeah, brilliant. It's an event. It's for beer and brewing, and almost every single talk is relevant to commercial brewers as much as it is to home brewers. Fantastic. Um, but yeah. We'll have to do another podcast where we get super nerdy on brewing. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I, you know, it all goes over my head. I'm afraid, but you're happy to, as long as you don't expect me to contribute much to the conversation, then then we can do that. But uh, we're going to have to have to get into the home straight. Uh, and I've got a couple of wrap up questions that I like, ask every guest. So if you would, uh, if you wouldn't mind humouring me with those, the first one I like to ask is what I call a shout out to a little guy. And here I ask you to mention one or more local to you beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent UK craft beer. So that can be another bottle shop. It can be a pub, uh, a tap room, uh, even a restaurant or a cafe. But somebody's doing a great job promoting independent craft beer down your way in Cornwall. I, I love that you've asked that. So it has to be Red Elephant in Truro. Right. Yep. Uh, craft beer, craft beer. Uh, it's a bottle shop. It's like me, bottle shop and bar. Yeah. 
10 taps. Um, super knowledgeable guys, really, really good range, doing like a really good job. If I can do another brewery. Yeah, please. I say uh, Johnny at Pipeline. Oh, yeah. Look, you know, I can't, again, you know, I can't believe we've got an hour and a half into the conversation before we mentioned Jamil and also before we mentioned Johnny. So, Johnny, we've had on the podcast a couple of times. I think he's an absolute genius brewer. Doesn't get anything like the recognition he deserves. Brewing New England IPAs, you know, that, that, that stand up against any from any of the brewers we've mentioned already today. They're um, up, they stand up against Virgin. Yeah, you know, that Cornish water. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's not yeah. all about the water. It's also about the brewing genius. But but Johnny, I, he's a lovely guy and brews amazing beers for me. Yeah, and he's doing it like almost single handedly, yeah. you know. And and it's just it's he's he's still at that kind of early stage. He's just got a new kit in like recently, yeah. and I believe he's he's sending off his cans to his his beer to get canned remotely now. Where he was hand seaming, you know, yeah. but he was hand seaming to perfection. You, yeah, you can you can really you know some people who do it just can really yeah you just you just master the the art although it's very painstaking yeah lovely guy great beers um you would often would you mostly have their beers in in the fridge um, Simon yeah I'm always only when you can get them keg. Um, yeah yeah I mean again they're quite hard to get the other yeah. one I'm saying and again I I don't know if you well I'd be curious to know if you've heard of them but Black Flag. Yeah, so again, so Black Flag, several people have mentioned to me. I haven't had them on the podcast, although I would like to get them on. Um, definitely, they're you know they know they're very highly regarded. Absolutely phenomenal beers. Yeah, and I love the vibe. They've got a great tap room. Yeah, they you know they've always got their beer on draft. It's always busy because it's next to one of the most beautiful beaches in the UK, nice. yeah. Beach. I struggle to get beer from him. Do you? <laughs> because- he just sells, you know, he sells but a lot. That's I mean, a good. That's the sign of a healthy business, isn't it? Is he done it? You know, if they haven't got to ship it as far as you, then they're doing something right, aren't they? <laughs> One thing, a big red flag for me is when a a brewery sends me through Monday morning the beer list available, and there's twenty beers on the list. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, okay, so you can only brew if you're brewing like let's say four times a week. Some of yeah. these are already six weeks old. That's right. Yeah, good point. Nick at Black Flag, if it's if I'm lucky, he's got two beers available. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's it's it's he brews, he sells, he brews, he sells. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm sure as any business they are struggling with costs and you yeah. know they've been brewers for over a decade. I, right. I I think they were at Skinner's before they set up Black Flag. Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I think that's right. I think somebody else mentioned that to me. The quality of the beer speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. And I, what amazes me with Black Flag is that there must be so many dozens of tiny little breweries that, you know, and it's a, I think it's a thousand litre kit, so it's not too small, no. but in the beer that you never hear of. And they're making high-end beer, really good quality, and they, they don't care about going our county. No. locally. Well, that's so awesome. those are my little gems. Those are my local little gems. Love it. Good picks. Yeah. No, from from what I know of, of what you just mentioned, those are great names. So thanks for that. Um, let's get into the wrap up question then, Simon. And um, this is an easy question actually. So I need to know what would be your ultimate happy hour. And there's three parts to this question. I need to know where you would be, who you would be with, and most specifically, what beer you would be drinking. And there's one qualifier, which is that the beer doesn't necessarily need to match the venue. So you can bring the happy hour beer with you 
um, if it wouldn't usually be available at the place you're choosing to gather? I'm not sure where it's going to be, but right now, in this moment, and I've literally just cracked one, I did mention this beer to you. This has been my favourite beer for a while. Let's say in my Lauter era, this has been my favourite beer. And it's Utopian's Black Lager. Right. Uh, Cerny Speciality. And I absolutely adore it. Mm-hmm. They used to do it 440 cans. They've gone down to 330, which is a bit oh. annoying. But it's a 6.8 black lager. Yeah. And it is, it's got the body, it's got the roastiness, but it's mm-hmm. still crisp. And it's absolutely delicious. It is taking two styles, a roasty dark yeah. beer and a lager, and making them mesh perfectly. Yeah. Love it. It's one of the hardest things to do in beer and yeah. Utopian. I and mean, we could do half an hour just talking about Jeremy at Utopian. Yeah. It's, it's an absolutely phenomenal beer. There is a sign on the fridge which says best beer in the shop. <laughs> and I stand by that. So that has to be my desert island beer. Okay. Uh, it's fine because we're at the end of the podcast. So I can reveal myself as myself as being quite basic. It would be with Taylor Swift. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Black Lager with Taylor Swift. Right. I don't know. Down at the beach, down here, somewhere in Cornwall. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I've, I've had a beer with Jamil. I've had a beer with Jamil, so I don't, you know. I re- I'm rarely at a loss for words on this podcast, but I'm struggling to think of what to say next, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I've, yeah, I've done everyone in beer. I've completed beer, so Taylor Swift. Fair enough. Taylor Swift on the beach. <laughs> Utopian Black Lager. Yeah. I'd bring Augustina for Taylor. I think she'd August, yeah, I, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I think Black Lager might be a, a bit, you know, a, a bridge too far there. But other than that, I can see uh, see that could work out well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's a remarkable end to a fun conversation, Simon. So thanks so much for your time. I've really enjoyed chatting with you this evening. Uh, it's, uh, cheers, Rob. It's been lovely. We covered a lot of ground. Um, it's been fun, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how things develop for you this year. I think BrewCon's going to be amazing with Jamil. The Beak Tap Takeover Stroke Festival is going to be awesome next month. Well, not next month, August. So it should be, it'll be next month by the time this publishes. And everything else that you've spoken about, I'm really excited to see how Lauta continues to hopefully to thrive and prosper in, in Falmouth. Um, but I, you know, I think your passion for the industry is going to carry you through. So this has been this has been fun. Cheers, Rob. Thank you.